You're listening to Lead On with Greg and Mark, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. Join us this season as we engage in conversations on leading on through times of complexity. Now for your hosts, Greg and Mark. Pick it up. Yo, yo, yo. The lost art of beatboxing. That's it, yeah. Uh, it also goes with ska music, you know? Pick it, it up, pick it up, pick it oh, up. Oh, yeah. Let's I go, saw, let's go. Who did I see? Mighty Mighty Boston's uh, back yeah. in high school. First concert I really went to was a Boston's concert. It was in eighth grade. We took the train to Philadelphia. Oh, saw yeah? him at the Trocadero at 10th and Arch. Oh, my gosh. And this is in the early to mid-90s, you know? Yeah. Uh, we got there way too early. We had no idea. Total rookies. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. And... Um, their tour bus, we came to understand, was out in front of the truck, parked on our street. And, and if you're not familiar with Philadelphia, the Trocadero was a, oh, a place where you would see punk truck. bands and, mm-hmm. you know, an old burlesque theater, actually, in Chinatown. And so the best Chinese and Asian restaurants in Philadelphia are located, nice. like, right next. All the Boston's, like, 7 o'clock. The doors, of course, didn't open until, like, 7, 8 o'clock. We're first in line like idiots, right? Again, we're way young to even yeah. be there in the first place. And they all come out having just had, uh, you know, dinner in the restaurant next door. They signed our tickets and everything. It's like Dickie Barrett, all these guys, they were like so yeah. cool to us. Oh, so cool. Foundational so cool. memory. Simmer Dan was my favorite, but I know Simmer that's a cover. Dan, I know that's Bob a Marley. cover of Marley. Yeah. But yeah, Control, I, I like that one. Matt, Tim. Yeah, uh, that was good. And awesome uh, my, my friend uh, Kelsey was with us. And that's when, you remember, there was the stage diving and all sure. that. Yeah. We put her up on, on the stage and uh, it was Dickie Betts. I uh, grabbed her uh, actually with his teeth. Dickie Barrett. Dickie Barrett. Thank you. Yeah. Dickie Betts is something somebody else. <laughs> Dickie Barrett. Dickie Barrett is the singer <laughs> yeah, of Boston. That would too. be wild if they yeah. were there with them. Allman Brothers were there with them. <laughs> I, say, I mean, that would be quite a... Let, yeah. Let's that's get a, that going. That's a collaboration. Let's get that going. Let's do it, yeah. The Almond Bostones, you know? Yeah, I like that. All right. So, uh, but the Mighty anyway, Mighty Almond Brothers. <laughs> the, the Mighty Mighty Almond Brothers. You're quick today. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, on it, brother. You are on it. Speaking uh, of being on it, I was on it last episode, four for four. You yes. said that the next several are going to stump me. I, I think I have at least one here that'll stop. All right, let's okay. bring it on. As All you, right, so let's, r- let's just rehash we this. So yeah. we, uh, we, you know, Mark threw down the gauntlet and destroyed me in the in the uh, <laughs> you did well. in the television theme uh, songs. Fishing so, for sympathy. So we are now we are now doing the. I challenged him with the '80s movie quote challenge. So right. here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Do you know who it was? Uh, Vernon. Principal Vernon. The Principal Vernon. Yep. To, you, to, your memory, man, you're good. You mess with the bull, young man. Yeah, he's pointing yeah, at him, right? And then he it. goes, you'll get the horns. He actually does. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Does, yes. Does Barry Manilow know you raided his closet? <laughs> <laughs> I like when, he, when uh, what's his face? Judd. Judd, uh, what was his last name? Uh, but anyway, Bender, John Bender. John Bender. John yeah. Bender's up in the ceiling and he's going across. I want to be, be an Air, Air Force Ranger. Yeah, love it. Airborne <laughs> Ranger. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So um, the next, this is easy. Okay. Yeah, I'm putting it right there. out there to our, our listeners will love it though. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could just miss it. Abe from in Sausage King of Chicago. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller's Day Off, baby. <laughs> All right. Boy, I... Uh, I really gave you easy ones here. No, you didn't. This, I'm just a this genius. Next one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one is way too easy. Go ahead, brother. If you build it, he will come. Field of dreams. Yeah. And then the last one, watch the first step, 
It's a doozy. Oh, I might have stumped him. Watch the first step. Watch the first step. It's a doozy. It said like that? Yeah. Just like that. Watch the first step. It's a do- I don't know. Tell me. I, all right. Go ahead. I do okay. not know. Okay. So I he bow. does. Okay. So 75. So Give me got, some hints. Come on. Three out of four. Okay. Here are the hints. Make a hint. That, Hi, that, I don't want to see it. Oh, oh, sorry. That was said multiple times during the movie because the premise of the movie is that things repeat themselves. Things repeat themselves in the movie. Throughout the movie, including these quotes like, watch your first, watch the first step. It's a doozy. You hear it at least five, six times during the movie. Uh, yeah, but I don't know the quote. So I don't, the, 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 right, but the premise of the movie is that it keeps repeating and repeating. Oh, is it Groundhog Day? It's Groundhog Day. Oh, so you, and what happens? You would is have Bill said Murray, Ned, Bill, Ned Ryerson, and, and Bill, yeah, Ned Ryerson. I, know. I got you, baby. I, I, I needed to get you on one. So, I, so, but what happens is Bill Murray stepping off the curb, oh, and he steps in, and he steps into that in manhole in a, in, a, in a manhole, I not love, manhole. The it's a puddle. It's, pot, a, it's a giant big, pothole. Big, big pothole. Yeah, pothole. I love that movie. It yeah. just didn't. That did not resonate. Now, if you would have said Ned. Ned Ryerson. See, that's too that's too easy. <laughs> but imagine, listen, imagine potholes in Pennsylvania. Of course, They're that's everywhere. Taken care of. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, thank you. You got me. Only for one. That's all right. One. That is all a right. great movie, though. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But Ned Ryerson, I just love him. He sees it. He just punches him right. In oh, the face. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and great. Then, and then what was the remember the song that I got you, always, babe. I got you, babe. Bob yeah. Dylan. All right. No, no, no. Sunny and Cher. Sunny and Cher. Right. Wasn't yeah. it Sunny and Cher on the on It the was Sunny and Cher. That was. That, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Okay. Strike up the music. The Pennsylvania polka. Great. It's going to be Groundhog's Day soon, right? It is. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Punxsutawney. Shout out to our Punxsy people. I met the Punxsutawney superintendent one time. This guy. I don't remember his name, but he was really nice. All right. All right. That's a good story. It's random. Great story. I got more of them. I got hundreds of those. Stick around for more exciting I'll be here all day. I'll be here all day. Try the veal. All right. So what we're talking about today is it's entitled The Man in the Arena. And I had famous. put this out on, on in LinkedIn. This is very famous by Theodore Roosevelt, and I, I put this. You know, I posted this on 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 uh, actually LinkedIn, and I know uh, you, Doctor Hoffman, quickly uh, chimed in. He goes, "One of my favorites." So, Love it. Um, do you want to do you want to take this in parts, or how do you want to do this? Well, why don't you let, let's set the stage for people, right? Yes, sure. The man in the arena, actually, a part of a larger speech given by Teddy Roosevelt in nineteen ten. Yes, right? he actually gives the speech in Paris or in Paris, France, at the Sorbonne. Yes. Major institution of higher ed. He's not the president anymore. He's on like a world tour celebrating his presidency. And he gives a speech that's like an hour and some odd long. And in that hour, some odd long speech, there's two paragraphs. In particular, one that's like a punch in the stomach to anybody that's ever been in a leadership position because it resonates. Oh, absolutely. It resonates with anybody who's ever been out there and who's ever been criticized by someone who hasn't been out there. So this is like the every man's response to the critic, the person who stands on the sideline with their arms crossed and a sneer on their face, and they just criticize you. But, you know, you're the one that's out there busting your butt, trying your best. You might not be winning, but you're trying. So this is Teddy Roosevelt's response to the critic from the lens and the point of view of the person who's actually trying. So related. We want to read the... You want, to, you want to read it? Or yeah. you want me to yeah, read let me it? Go go ahead. I'll read it. I'll go read ahead, it buddy. here. Okay. So again, this is April 23rd of 1910. Okay. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit, do you want to stop there? No, it was perfect. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I mean, does that sum it up right there? It's, it, it's amazing. I mean, going back 1910. 1910. So he's, he's been the president. He's just gone um, around the world, and he's giving a speech called um, Citizen in a Republic, though it's been, it's been renamed essentially the Man in the Arena speech. It's been quoted by lots of people. And he's essentially, it's a call to arms for the common man to do great things and to not worry about failing, that failure is a natural consequence to trying, and that, sure, it's easy to stand on the sidelines and criticize those who are trying, but it's only in trying that we dare achieve greatness. And I just, I love it. He's calling out bullies. He's calling out critics. He's calling out the people that um, believe they're better than, or the people who would, uh, that, that sit from the peanut gallery or whatever you want to describe yeah, it as yeah. and, and, and attack someone who's at least trying. I think that's why it resonates with so many people. It's, it, it really does. And there's always, let's think about it. I mean, there's critics everywhere. Yeah. There's critics everywhere. Uh, Mark and I always talk about social media and that's in, that impact. It's amazing. You, you talk about those chatter groups yeah. that are out there. Man, do people just unleash? Yeah. yeah. This, this, this yes. speech is like a, a superintendent or a board member or a politician who's trying to do yes. the right thing. But let's keep it with the superintendents because yeah. we know that lens. They're trying. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult time. We could talk about the pandemic. We could talk about anything, really. Mm-hmm. But, but it's the superintendent who needs to say, okay, it's not the critic who counts. It's the one who points out how the, it's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. Right. Anybody could sit on the sidelines and tell you what you should have done with hindsight. Yeah. Of course, everybody's, yeah. everybody's right with hindsight. The Monday morning quarterback, quarterback yeah. right? You know, armchair quarterback. Arm, yep. But who is it? It's the credit belongs to the man or woman. Of course, think of the time, right? who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. He or she who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short and short again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming and shortcoming, but who does not actually strive to do the deeds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's right there. It is. Yep. It's right there. Do you know, um, I was watching related to this, the timing of this, when you said you want to talk about this, um, it's just funny, you know, like you see and hear different things and things start to make connections for you. Rick Rubin, you know, Rick Rubin, you love the Beastie Boys, right? Absolutely. Famous, famous music producer, Def Jam music, um, huge, huge producer. The guy's got more credits than you could possibly think of from the music scene. They were interviewing him about his music production philosophy. And he goes on, I actually wrote this down because it resonated with the man in the arena. And he was not talking about this quote. I'm just making a connection. He says, I make music that I want to make. And you hear that. He said, that's sounded harsh, right? But then he goes on and it was brilliant. He said, you can't go to a movie today that's not garbage. My words, not his, but that's the, what he's saying. The studio executives that are making these movies 
are creating movies that they believe appeal to everybody as opposed to making the movies that they want to make or that an artist would make. And he's saying that um, people in the audience resonate rather with music and movies and books that are special to the artist who created them. And so I just, I, I like the connection there, right? Like it's, it's great. He's it's just putting great. himself out yes. there. Sure. You can criticize this album. You can tell me that it sucks, whatever, but you made it for him. And, right. and I don't see you making an album. Right. And sure. Right. Would it be a lot easier to make one that I think is vanilla that everybody will like? And that would, sure. I could do that. Right. But anybody could do that. Right. Well, a band I need to bring up is Radiohead. So Radiohead, you know, they have, if you look at the history of Radiohead, you have Tom York, uh, lead singer. Um, and when they, when they start with the band, when Tom starts with the band, they really get denied. Yeah. And their type of music, like you look at okay computer mm -hmm. for those who are music buffs, you listen to okay computer, you might listen to it the first time and it doesn't it really click with you, but you listen, that's by far, if I look back at the CDs that I had, yeah. that one was worn out. That one was worn out. And it was because it, 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 they were doing their own thing. They were doing their own thing. They weren't playing to the audience. Um, they they also, weren't worried about the critic is the point I'm trying to make. They weren't worried about, yeah, they weren't worried about the critic, but true fans mm -hmm. got it. Well, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the analysis with Teddy Roosevelt goes on to say something along the lines of like the critic might actually be right. It's the fact that they didn't try to do it themselves that actually is the point of the story or the speech that he's giving. Sure, you might be right as the critic. Hindsight might be to tell you that I could have done it differently. Right. Renee Brown, she's a, a famous um, psychologist. She's a professor. She writes books. She's a speaker, keynote, massively popular. And she actually talks about her connections with this speech in one of her TED Talks. She says something along the lines of when she, when she realized how powerful these words were, she said that one of her biggest vulnerabilities or one of her biggest fears was being rejected, right? Or the criticism that she would face by being so vulnerable all the time. Vulnerability is one of her key concepts that she talks about. And she says something along the lines of, if you're not also in the arena with me, your criticism doesn't doesn't have the same impact on me. So that resonated with me too. It's like, mm -hmm. this is everywhere. The more you research the speech, the more you realize that it's, um, I mean, it's all over the place. It, it sure is. It sure is. I So this resonates with me with a recent story where I was the critic. Are you ready for this? All right. So my wife uh, just joined a book club with her friends and their teacher friends uh, from the mountaintop area. And she, I was asking her about the book that she's reading and she's, we kind of got in a discussion, you know, a creative, you know, it's juices were flowing, you know, we're, we're talking through this. She says, it's about a guy, a husband who goes on a trip, uh -huh. the plane goes down okay, and he's lost for three years. Mm-hmm. She, in the meantime, moved on with her life, the wife. Okay. And he shows up after three years. Okay. And I said, honey, I said, this is such a ripoff. That's Castaway. <laughs> it sounds like The Walking Dead, too. <laughs> it's, it's, it sort, sort of does. But she got so mad at me. Yeah. So Maria got so mad at me. So, so I'm like, I'm not letting this go. Yeah. So the night of the book club, I, I text her friend, Sarah, who was hosting. Yeah. I'm like, Sarah, you got to do me a favor. Oh, no. When this comes up, you got to say, this is a complete ripoff <laughs> of, of the movie Castaway. Okay. 
So, so you're setting your wife up. So I'm totally setting her up. And then all I, that night, all I see is a text come through. Yeah. She said, stop messing with my book club. <laughs> she said, the book club's for me, not you. Stay in your Stay own in lane. Your, so I was a critic. I was like, that book's a ripoff. You know? I, I, it does sound like a ripoff. It sounds like The Walking Dead too, right? The, it, uh, it the sheriff wakes up yeah, that's, and his oh, that wife got wild. remarried. Oh, right, was, and, right. Wakes up in a hospital. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But it, life moved on. Yeah. And then there's a battle for superiority. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I thought you'd enjoy that. Yeah, you know, the other thing about this that sort of relates to the critic and all of that good stuff is this idea that we like, um, our society likes the underdog. So we like the person who's out there slogging. We like the person who's in the arena. And I thought of the movie Rocky, right? He doesn't win in the end of the first. uh, That's true. He doesn't win. That's true. But he's out there getting his face bashed in, trying hard fighting Apollo, right? The whole thing. I think we love him because he's the man in the, I think Sylvester Stallone, when he wrote that movie, he must've read this or he must've been connected to it. There's so many movies that were, it's the underdog who might not win in the end, but they're out there trying. We like that. Like um, the person with grit, with resolve, like think of all the books we read, all the movies we watch. Unsung hero. A lot of times we like, you know, looking at that. That is so cool to think. That, you know, with that Rocky movie. Yeah, he he didn't win. No, he he didn't win. And it and kept you on the edge of your seat. Like, you're ready, like, you it, know, for this next movie to come out. And he's literally the man in the arena. Yes. He, he literally, like, he's he out is. there. He literally has a face marred by dust, sweat, and blood. Yeah, he does. It's the same thing with Rainbow and all these other movies. I mean, not yeah. to stick with Sylvester Stallone, but, like, yeah. these guys that are out there trying. Yeah. They're trying. These are excellent Excellent examples. Yeah, this, this. this is this is really good, and it it really does it resonates with present day, um, and how we do need to put ourselves out there at times, and we will always have critics. Well, how do you respond to uh, keyboard warriors and critics? And I'll, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I do nothing. Nothing because I I think I don't know if there's winning, I, and and again, this could be debated, but I don't know if there's a way to win a keyboard w- war, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing because the. It could ju- it gets so nasty, and I, I just don't want to be part of that. I don't want to sink to that level. Mm-hmm. That, that's my take on it. No, I agree, right? And so I don't I, honestly. I don't have a Facebook account. I sometimes use Maria's, but I I don't have one. I have the LinkedIn account. Yeah. Have but, you ever been criticized fiercely in your professional life? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah same same times. attitude. Let it go. So Do you reach it, out. It, it actually, did, it depends if it's if it's insulting my integrity in some way. Yeah. You know, there, I you know. If it's crossing the line, I'm going to speak up. Do you? So. Yeah. I mean, there's something about, you know, setting the record straight. And then there's also something about um, somebody says something like, you wrestle with a pig, you get muddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ever heard that? I never heard that. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Where do you pull this stuff from? <laughs> it's a steel trap of useless information. 1910 by former yeah. <laughs> uh, President Theodore Roosevelt. <sighs> Delivered in Paris, France to a record crowd. I did a little research. Over 25,000 people were in the streets wanting to see him. 25,000. I'm not sure that there were 25,000 people in attendance at the delivery of the speech, but standing ovations throughout the speech. And this one, he was actually surprised, I read, that to um, that this particular set of paragraphs are the ones of the entire speech that uh, resonate would still or resonated at the time. This isn't one of those speeches that is popular a hundred years later. This was popular from the moment he said it, according to a lot of the reading I've done. And this was like almost viral, if you will, 
for as viral as something could have been in 1910 related to, you know, content. It's, it's, there's so many takeaways with this. I'm looking at the last line, you know, knowing victory, it says victory nor defeat. Like mm-hmm. you need to know the victories of life, know how the, the, the defeat of life. Yeah. You know, if you know both, it's, it's almost like a crescendo in music, right? Yeah. You need the highs and the lows. And a lot of times when it's, when a song is building, you yeah. know, you just got to love that crescendo. That's the beauty in life, right? Love it. So if you're feeling like there's haters out there taking cheap shots at you, if you're feeling like there's critics that uh, are side or, or not side, but are 24 hour quarterbacking, armchair quarterbacking, Monday morning, Monday morning, you know, yes. quarterbacking, yep. uh, using hindsight to tell you all the things that they would have done differently. Yep. I suggest you stick the man in the arena by Theodore Roosevelt. Google, pull it up. Right. And um, there's a lot of dramatic interpretations on YouTube. Also, if you want to hear somebody read it to you. Yeah. Love it. What do you say we wrap it up? Okay. All right. Um, listeners, uh, we appreciate you you following us on LinkedIn and, and all the social media Substack. channels. Lead Substack. on podcast. Oh, Substack. Yeah, we lead, have Substack. Leadonpodcast.substack.com. Yeah. yeah. Please uh, continue Put your email to, in there. to see us. In the meantime, let's make it a great day and innovate the USA. 